So uh, typically at this time, we would um, uh, invite our kids up through fourth grade to, uh, to leave if they wanted to go to children's church. Um, we are instead going to invite those who are up through kindergarten. So uh, any of our uh, young ones up to kindergarten, if you want to go with Miss Kristen, who is right back there, uh, please feel free to go now. And, um, and then um, parents, um, don't forget to get them after, uh, after service. So. Um, I hope and pray that you all have had a great Easter weekend. What a beautiful weekend for Easter. And um, we went out yesterday morning. It was a little, little cold, but it was still beautiful and sunny to the, um, to the Easter egg hunt in, uh, in Zionsville. And I got to tell you, when about 90% of Zionsville families are in Florida, you get quite the haul. In terms of eggs. So it was outstanding. We got so much more than we got last year. It was great. So thank you. We're thanking all those who are away this weekend. And, um, but we're also very uh, appreciative and thankful for the fact that you all uh, are here. Um, and so what a blessing. So as we continue our look at, uh, at Easter, um, we're going to look at my, Matthew's um, uh, retelling of the story in the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 10. And so I invite you now to hear these words. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's pray. God, it is with great joy that we come together, that we gather this morning in order to celebrate what it means that you have been raised from the dead. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with us in this special time. And Lord, I pray to you that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So one of the nice things about holiday seasons, like Christmas or like Easter, uh, is the fact that we get to gather together uh, with family and friends uh, that we may not always get to see. 
and, and so we, uh, the decks this weekend, were very uh, delighted to have some good friends of ours from Western Pennsylvania uh, who came and were staying with us this weekend. And um, it's been it's been good. I I knew I first came to know uh, uh, Ralph, um, who was the father of the family, um, uh, about eleven years ago now, maybe when we were in a little town called Alta Vista, Virginia. Anyone know where Alta Vista, Virginia is? Good, there's one right here. Nice. All right, it's always the, the, the four or five-year-olds who know exactly where it is, right? So, Alta Vista, Virginia, <clears throat> where he was pastoring, and I was there just to do an internship for about a half a year. And, and so it's been great to have them here. And, and as you know, one of the things that happens whenever you get together with friends and family that you haven't seen for a while is you catch up on, 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 on new things, but also you like to spend some time kind of reflecting on, on stories of when you guys knew each other, when you used to live near each other, all those kinds of things, right? Shared experiences that you love to retell some of those old stories. And so frequently when Ralph and I, when we get together, we'll, we'll talk about the fact that I was the first uh, non-family member who, uh, who saw um, their, their newborn uh, daughter. And we'll talk about the fact that when we saw each other, we, we knew really that we were going to be uh, good friends because um, we, we started talking about the chicken finger basket from Dairy Queen. And we saw the love in one another's eyes as we began to describe that. You know it, right? Uh, fried chicken fingers, French fries, Texas toast, and... Gravy, right? A, check your cholesterol. B, amazing, right? I mean, this is good stuff, right? Uh, and then we also get to tell tales about parishioners that we may have known, right, and, and, and situations, right? Um, Ralph loves to tell the story about how he went over to a church member's uh, uh, home, and he's pretty sure that he ate uh, cat food on that particular day, Right? These are the fun things that we pastors get to go do, right? You never know what to expect. And so we get to come together and we get to share these lovely stories and, and, and kind of retell and, and remember them again, if you will. And in many ways, that's exactly what it is that we're doing here this morning. We've gathered friends and family. We've, we've come together and, and we get to retell the Easter story. You know, I said to the staff on Wednesday when we met, I said, this is going to surprise you a little bit, but on Sunday, we're going to talk about Easter, the resurrection story, right? You could try to get kind of fancy if you wanted to, but, but it's really best to simply come together to retell, to remember, to relive that incredible story of Easter, for it is a remarkable story. And I really love the way that Matthew tells the story. Matthew uh, begins the story by, by saying that on, on the dawn of the first day of the week. Now, I've heard that phrase hundreds, if not thousands of times, but it was really for the first time this week that someone kind of pointed out something to me that I hadn't really seen, which is the fact that Easter, actually the first Easter, really happened on a Monday morning. Now, you may be saying to yourself, that doesn't really make sense, Pastor. I don't know if you know this or not, but we meet on Sundays because we think that this is when Jesus was raised from the dead. And of course, you're right in a sense. However, if it happened the day after the Sabbath, which for the Jewish people was on what day? Saturday. And we have now kind of changed our Sabbath as Christians to what day? Sunday, and so for them, if it was the first day of the week that was after Sabbath, it was as if it was our 
So you guys see this, and this is what happens when you retell stories together, right? We, we have interaction. And so sure enough, this happened really more like on a work week, if you will, on the Monday morning, right? At dawn on Monday morning, right? So Matthew goes on. We'll talk about that later. Matthew goes on. And he says there were two women. He says there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now, don't you always feel kind of bad for the other Mary, right? Now, some people will say this is Mary, mother of Jesus, but we don't know that for sure. And I, I kind of get more of the sense that Matthew, you know, you tell stories sometimes and you're, you're like, okay, okay, so Mary Magdalene was there. And then there was Mary, oh, you know, ordinary Mary, right? She doesn't really stand out all that much, right? And so, but sure enough, she's still included, even though she's incredibly regular, incredibly ordinary, right? So we have ordinary Mary and Mary Magdalene. And there they are on this particular Sunday, or, and or Monday as we like to say now. And so there they are, they're going, and all of a sudden there is an angel at the tomb, right? And the angel, right, it looks like light. Lightning and, and, and his clothes is white, are white as snow, right? And when he gets there, there's an earthquake, right? And we talked last Sunday, if you were here for Palm Sunday, about the fact that there were kind of three earthquakes all in a row right here with Palm Sunday and, uh, and, then, and then the day when Jesus was crucified on Good Friday and then here as well, right? There's a, another earthquake, we're told, and everything's beginning to, to, to tremble. The earth is trembling, if you will. And at that point, we're told... The men who were there were be, began to shake. The soldiers who were there, they began to shake. And literally, the word in here in Greek it comes from the same word again that we use for earthquake. So you could say that there was a manquake, if you will. And there was a manquake. And at that point, and hear the irony here, at that point, those who were there all of a sudden seemed as if they were dead. At the same time as the one who was dead and Jesus is now dead. Alive, right? And so all of a sudden here, for those who have ears to hear, we're hearing that Matthew was telling us that the world is beginning to be turned upside down. That those who were alive now seem to be dead. That those who were dead are now alive. And at this point then, the angel looks to the two women. And the angel perhaps is fearful that they may also die because of their fear. And so he says to them, do not be afraid. He says, I know why it is that you have come here. You have come here to see the crucified one, but I am here to tell you that the one who is dead is now alive. And all of a sudden then, with great joy and fear, right? With great joy and fear, the two women, Mary and the other mother, they hear this and are remarkably, it seems, excited, but also, of course, afraid. And so right after the angel says that, what does he do? He tells them, he invites them, if you don't believe me, come in here and look at the tomb, for it is empty. And that, sisters and brothers, is a gift, that phrase. It's a gift to all of those in our midst who may doubt or who are skeptical, because it is an invitation that just because you don't believe doesn't mean you need to flee. You can spend time investigating. You can spend time asking questions. You can spend time wondering this, about this difficult, this kind of crazy claim that the one who was dead is now alive. 
But of course, right after that, he says, don't stay in the empty tomb for too long. He says, now, he goes, he gives them a commission. Again and again in the Gospels, whenever the resurrected Lord comes on the scene, they're always given a commission. And the commission on this particular day was for them to go and to tell the disciples that Jesus had been raised. And he tells them then that they are where? Where is he going to be? Where is he going to meet them? In Galilee, right? Now, that may not seem very strange to you, but let's remember where they were at this point. Where are, where are the angel and the two women? They're in Jerusalem, right? They are in happening cosmopolitan Jerusalem where things happen, the epicenter, if you will. And now he tells them to go and I will meet you, not there, but in somewhat blah Galilee. Right? So to put this in kind of common, common parlance, if you will, it's as if you were in the middle of Times Square in New York City. Right, And there you are, and there's all this excitement. There's lights, there's energy, there's noise. Everything is happening, right? And there is an angel, and the angel's there, and he says, oh, this is exciting stuff. Can you believe it? It's mind-blowing. It's mind-bending. Jesus has been raised from the dead right here in New York City. Now get ready. I want you to go. Because he's going to meet you in Indiana. Which, don't take offense to that. But it's not quite New York City. Right? And so in this kind of strange way, all of a sudden, Jesus says, no, I'm not going to stay here in this hullabaloo. I'm going to go to Indiana. And I love the way then that the angel kind of ends all of his lines, if you will. Because it seems as if perhaps the women there are just staring at him, maybe with their mouths ajar, not knowing what to do or what to make of it. Because at the very end, what he says, and I quote here is, this is my message for you. As if I got nothing else to say, right? You've already heard it. This is my message. And so in a moment, it seems, they kind of adjust themselves and they say, okay. And so they start, of course, because they're good disciples, they go to tell the other disciples. And as they are on their way, as they're on the road, all of a sudden then, the angel shows up again. And, or excuse me, Jesus shows up. And Jesus says, Hi. And that's really literally what Jesus says. I mean, we put the word greetings in the version that I did. But as Dale Bruner points out, it's a very colloquial greeting. In fact, it's a greeting that continues to be used in Greece today. It's really just kind of, hey, as if not a big deal. You know, hey, 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 it's been a few days, hasn't it? Haven't I seen you in a little while? I mean, it's this remarkably kind of understated greeting that Jesus gives. And immediately then, the, uh, the, the two women, they grab a hold of Jesus' feet, right? This is this kind of beautiful image, another one just like we had last week of, of, the, of the divinity of Jesus and the fact that they're worshiping him and yet his humanity as they grab his feet. Jesus then repeats again to these two women, don't be afraid. Tell my disciples I will meet them in Indiana. It's a remarkable story, it seems to me, an extraordinary story. And like I said, I love the way that Matthew tells it. And yet one of the more interesting parts to me of this story, as I thought about it this week, was just 
how implanted or embedded this extraordinary story is into the ordinariness of our lives. In other words, one of the most striking things about the story of Easter is that it was never supposed to just stay into this kind of extraordinary event. But rather, a part of the power of it was the way in which it began to speak into very ordinary people's lives in very ordinary places and in very ordinary times. And I think that's critical as we begin to understand the power and the importance of the resurrection of Jesus. Right? We see it in the fact that who's there? Mary Magdalene and the ordinary Mary. Right? So just an ordinary Mary. We see it, I think, again, as I just said in the greeting, right? And, and just kind of the, hey, morning, right? We see it kind of coming in the ordinary, even with this extraordinary. But not only that, we see it again, as I said earlier, in the time, right? In the fact that this happened on the morning, on Monday morning, on the first day when they are about to go to work, You see, I think that's actually really important because I think that there's actually a danger at times in making Easter this remarkably special day, this extraordinary day. And I think there's a power in remembering that it actually happens on a pretty normal day. Because one of the things that I've seen happen is that when we begin to elevate Easter, this particular Sunday, so much more, then we begin to miss out on the fact that it's It's actually supposed to be about very ordinary things, right? And the more that we kind of lift this up, strikingly, it almost becomes as if Jesus died and was raised again simply so that we could dress up, come in here, gather together, and then go get Easter brunch together, right? The the, the difficulty of when you begin to kind of pick it up as its own entity, this one Easter Sunday, is that all of a sudden, Jesus' resurrection becomes about dressing up, worshiping, and chocolate bunnies. And that's all it's about. When in reality, if we want to really gain the power and the understanding of what it means about the resurrection of Jesus, then what we should do is we should begin thinking about it in the dawn tomorrow morning, right? Now, here in Indiana, after the time change, that's around 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning, I think, right? Right? that we should begin thinking about when that morning, when the dawn is there, when the sun is rising, whatever it is that you're doing at that time, maybe you're pouring your cereal, maybe you're getting the kids dressed, maybe you're backing out of the car, maybe you're entering the workplace, maybe you're getting the kids up on the bus, maybe they're going into school, maybe you're opening up your newspaper. I don't know what you're doing on Monday morning at sunrise, but whatever it is that you're doing, if you really want to begin to gain the understanding of what difference it makes that Jesus was raised from the dead, you need to ask yourself, what difference does it make, not simply on this particular day, but what difference does it make on a normal work week, the worst day of the work week for most of us on a Monday morning. What difference does it make? That Easter should shape not just what we do today, but how we live tomorrow. And not only is it about an ordinary time, it's also about a remarkably ordinary place. Remember again, he doesn't stay in Jerusalem, he goes to Galilee. And what's the significance of Galilee? Well, it's where Jesus did much of his ministry, but it's also where he called his disciples. 
In other words, Galilee for them was not a place where they went for vacation. It's where they were. It's where they lived. Right? Galilee for them was not a place where they would go on holiday. It is where they worked. And I think that that is significant and we shouldn't just look past it. Megan and I, my wife and I, we met in uh, Kansas City. Uh, We really like Kansas City, so if you're from Kansas City, I hope that you know that we really like Kansas City. It's a great place. It's a kind of a Midwestern city. Some would say it's similar to Indianapolis, right? And so so Kansas City is great, but sometimes people, uh, there's a lot of people who've never been to Kansas City, and so they will ask me, they'll say, what do you think, describe Kansas City for me. And so I'll sit there and I'll ponder, and I, I finally discovered the best way to describe Kansas City is something like this. Well, I say to them, you know how there are some places that are really nice to visit, but you don't want to live there, right? Like I would suggest, and again, don't take this personally if you're from these places, but I would suggest like New York City or Southern California, right? And again, I lived in Southern California for a while. It's a great place. But with all the traffic and it's so expensive, it's just, it's kind of hard to live there, but it's great to visit. It's fun to visit. Kansas City, I would say to them, is kind of the flip of that. You don't necessarily want to visit there. I mean, it's okay to visit. It's okay to vacation there. But it's nowhere near, it's, but it's an amazing place to live, right? Again, some would say maybe a bit like Indiana, right? The cost of living is not so high. There's not a lot of traffic compared to bigger cities, right? It's a great place to raise a family. I mean, there's all these things, right? So it's a great place to, to live, but you may not want a vacation there. And the reason why I bring that up is because it seems to me that in some ways, what Matthew is doing here in the way that he's retelling the gospel is he's trying to say to us, look, Easter is an okay place. It's, a, it's an okay place to vacation, but it's an even better place to live. Easter is an okay place to vacation. It's all right to see every once in a while, but it's actually an incredible place to live. And until you've begun to really live into the resurrection of the Lord day after day after day, you may not fully understand the implications of the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. One of the things it seems to me that we have on this particular Sunday, and quite frankly every Sunday, is it's a vacation Sunday for us as Christians. What I mean by that is that we come together, it's kind of out of the ordinary, we come together, we, we sing songs together, we, uh, perhaps we hear the word of God uh, proclaimed, we see friends and family that we haven't seen for the week perhaps, we get donuts, we get these kinds of exciting things, right? It's a vacation, if you will, every Sunday. And one of the interesting things that seems to me that I've learned is that unlike the world out there, it's actually, though, what excites us and vacation is talking about the ways in which we have seen Jesus at work during the ordinariness of our lives. And that flips the script. Let me explain. This next week or two, folks from Zionsville will come back from spring break, right? And maybe you'll go on spring break, but when they come back on spring break, they're going to come into work or they're going to come into school, and guess what they're going to talk about? 
where they went, right? They're going to come and they're going to be so excited and they're going to be like, oh, Jerry, man, we had a great time in the Caribbean. And I'm going to say, well, that's great. You know, we went down to Caribbean Cove for a day. It was fantastic, right? And, and so sure enough, right? And, but what will be exciting for them is to talk about where they have been, their vacation, right? And I can assure you that 99% of them, when they're on vacation, they're not talking about how excited they are about their ordinary lives back in Indiana. But what I have discovered is here and in many churches, what excites them is to be here on vacation and to start talking about the ways in which they have seen Jesus, the resurrected Savior, alive in their normal places of work or play. So that when I tell the story, as I've done before a couple of times, of this young lady, a middle schooler, who was sitting there in the cafeteria with all of her friends, right? Many of you remember this story. And she was sitting there with her friends, and she sees that someone is over there by herself. Rather than staying there where it was comfortable, because she knows that Jesus does not call us to a life of comfort, but that if he's been raised from the dead, we live with different lenses. She decided that she was going to go over and sit next to this child. And I had so many people after that come up to me and say, what a great story. Have you ever thought how odd it is that we're excited that somebody did something in the absolutely ordinary place of school? But it excites us to see Jesus at work in our world. Or when I brought up the fact that this journal that this uh, woman had done here at ZPC at, at 9.58, you may remember if you were here, we, we asked you at that time to kind of think through at 9.58 every morning how you'd seen the resurrected Savior at work, to kind of pray for how the Lord might open your eyes. And, and she began to share in this journal about the reality of the times when she had seen the risen Savior at work, not in some extraordinary or exotic place or extraordinary time, but, but with coworkers or with her family or with a young woman who was battling a disease. And we hear those stories here on vacation, and we begin to get excited about how the risen Savior matters, not just on vacation, but all throughout your life. Or, or some of the men that I get to talk to, it seems to be men especially, who I get to talk to, for whom for a long time their Christian life was about the vacation of coming here. They'd come maybe a, a few times a year, you know. They, they'd sit out there in the sanctuary. You could tell that they were angry that they were here, you know. There just wasn't much joy, right? And, and there they were. And then to be able to share the story about how, because of something like Great Banquet or, or a home group, how all of a sudden they began to see that the risen Savior mattered, not just on Sunday mornings during this hour, but actually it began to change how they understood their work, how they understood their marriage, how it understood their children, all of those things. And again and again, we get to hear stories here about how Jesus is alive, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Easter, not just where you vacation, but where we live. And so the Easter challenge that I have for you all today is this. Not just to go out and to have a lovely brunch, which I'm sure that many of you will. But it's to do this. If you have a smartphone, or any kind of phone, I guess. I mean, not a rotary dial. But if you have another phone, I want to invite you to take it out right now. You could turn it on. If the phone rings, it won't be the first time. No big deal. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put in your alarm or in your calendar 7.34 in the morning. 
Set the alarm. And what is 7.34 in the morning? It is the sunrise for us here in, in the Indianapolis area tomorrow morning. Now, we can be thankful if we live further east. We, I had to say like 6.15, and I know that you all would just be faking as if you're putting it in your phone when you're really not. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to set that alarm. And tomorrow morning, when that alarm goes off, I want you to do two things. First of all, I want you to think to yourself, happy Easter. Not just a great place to vacation, but a great place to live. And secondly, I want to encourage you to begin asking yourself, where is the risen Savior at work right here where I am at 7.34 in the morning? And where else is the risen Savior throughout the rest of that day and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? And as you go through this week, if it seems to you, you know, I don't know, I can't really answer that question. I'm not exactly sure where the risen Savior is. I'm not entirely sure. I I don't even know what that means, quite frankly. Then let me invite you to come back next week. And we'll begin to talk about it some more. Or perhaps if you want to, to, to give me a call or to give Scott a call, and we'd be, we'd be delighted to talk to you about it. Or perhaps some other Christian brother or sister that you know, to be able to wrestle with what does it mean that we believe that the risen Savior did not just come today on Easter Sunday, but has come during the beginning of the work week in order to reveal how all of the week belongs to the risen Savior. So my hope and my prayer in this week is not only that we remember each other right now, that we see who we're with right now, but that it's 7.34 tomorrow morning that all of us can know that someone else's alarm, that a lot of people's alarms are going off right now. And we can ask ourselves that important, critical question, what difference does it make that Jesus has been raised from the dead? Brothers and sisters, Easter Not just a great place to vacation, but a remarkably life-giving place to live. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.